0: Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Computer Weekly Downtime Upload Podcast. I'm Cliff Sarin and my special guest today is Stephen Wilde who works at William Hill. Uh, Stephen, um, just to get started, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? And I know we're going to be talking about observability and digital transformation. So perhaps we can, you know, you can start with what it is that you're doing at William Hill, where does observability fit in? And then uh, we'll dive into some digital transformation, if that's okay.
1: Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm the observability manager at William Hill. I look after a team of 10 that generally look after Everything that's going on at William Hill, in terms of what's down, what's affecting customers, what's affecting all the different channels that we have, and we use a few products, but the main product that we use
0: is New Relic. So, before the conversation, we when we were having a little background warm-up chat, you mentioned an acronym that's your job title. <laughs> what is that again?
1: Well, observability and automation, which is the real name of the role, is a bit of a mouthful. So we stick with O and A. We're known throughout the company now as O and A.
0: It, It took a while. So you use observability is a bit different to how things would have been done in the past, in terms of monitoring. Because monitoring is, you know, you, you have to monitor software systems, don't you? you maybe you check, yeah, check when going in the good old days. In the
1: good old days, in the good old days, we'd monitor individual functions such as exchange or AD mm. or or individual nodes that would be important. I used to work at in a government office and and they had 500 individual uh, countries that we'd, we'd actually keep an eye on for exchange purposes or whatever. We don't do that anymore. We're more interested in the ground scheme. We're more interested in the actual services themselves mm. rather than individual nodes. We don't care about the nodes anymore. Since the move to the cloud, for example, with containers, containers can be created and destroyed very, very quickly. Mm. What we need to know is how it's affecting service.
0: Sorry, I mean, is, is it much of a difference between when the industry talks about end-to-end monitoring or the end user experience?
1: Yeah, the end to end, we we trace every step now. Mm. We we know, for example, if we've got a service that relies on multiple mini services or microservices, as we call them,
0: Mm.
1: we care about individual speed between the points. So for example, a database might be affected Mm. halfway through that service or a, a connection point might be affected. It's not an individual network point that we care about anymore because we'll have multiple network points. But we, we care about different points within that. And that's known as tracing. And, and within New Relic, for example, we use APM to do that.
0: Mm. And sorry, what is what is APM?
1: APM is application performance monitoring.
0: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Now, you know, William Hill, at one end, there's all the servers, and you mentioned the cloud and the microservices, the databases, the back-end stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but your end customers are, you know, the punters, the people who are going to place a bet, right? Exactly. <laughs> like coming up on the um, the Six Nations, for instance, right? So they, they don't see the servers they don't really appreciate the fact that there's a whole lot of back-end stuff going on all they know is that my phone isn't doing the job it needs to do the app exactly. isn't responding in the way it should how far have you gone down the route of understanding what their experience is like
1: we with again with new relic it enables us to actually go through that with a, a process called are you where more real user monitoring mm. and that we can do it both synthetically while well, we can do a full user journey, okay. which which represents an actual transaction.
0: Mm. So I guess in the last couple of weeks, you have been very busy uh, with the Six Nations.
1: Strange that the Six Nations isn't a huge event for most betting companies. Uh, the Euros were
0: massive, yes. as you can
1: imagine. Uh, the World Cup was very, very big. Mm. Uh, Boxing Day is a big event for us. Uh, premiership weekends are, are obviously very busy.
0: Of course, The yeah. biggest
1: single event, and we have a build-up to it with Cheltenham, but the biggest single end event is the Grand National.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: That hits everybody hard.
0: Because <laughs> because
1: with the Grand National, we get people who don't bet betting.
0: Mm, yeah, my mum does as well. She goes, are oh, you going to bet on the yeah. Grand National? You know, and I go, yeah. well, yeah, maybe.
1: <laughs> and And what people don't realise with the Grand National, it's not just people who are betting, it's new accounts. We mm. get lots and lots of new accounts. We want to keep that business. So we want to be seen as reliable, quick. Quick is everything in this industry. Mm. If they don't get instant sort of feedback from the website, then they go somewhere else.
0: Oh, right. Okay. Um, So when you have these big events, uh, and obviously you've, you've worked through many of these in the past, how does that impact your sort of your workload uh, or the team's workload in in observability
1: well in in the past it was a bit of a
0: nightmare because we had
1: infrastructure that wasn't really built for the single huge day or huge week that Mm. we'd have Mm. it was built for the general year that we had so it would really struggle and as we grew as a company it didn't really keep up so Mm. we were we were struggling seriously struggling with infrastructure that was collapsing around us.
0: Hmm.
1: So we so that'd affect our mean time to detection because we couldn't hundred percent trust the previous infrastructure. Yes. And that affected mean time to resolve and it was customer affected. And the worst thing you can have in our industry is something that affects the customer before you're actually aware of it because hmm. of the time involved then to repair it as well. Yes. And in that time you've lost up to, I mean, thousands of customers on Grand National Day. Mm. But you could lose customers that never then come back as well.
0: Yes, yeah. Because they don't see the service as reliable on that That's first right, hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, So there has been a change in infrastructure since um, those early days or those, ty- those times when you, you, you felt that the, there was a, you know, a major issue with the older with yeah. stuff.
1: Once it was identified that our observability platform, as as I would call it a, more a monitoring platform at the time, mm wasn't really doing what we wanted to do and wasn't keeping up with our journey into the cloud. Mm. Then we undertook a massive RFP, which is a effectively a, a huge sort of an invite to tender yeah. to the five biggest companies in the Gartner quadrant. Mm. And obviously New Relic were one of them. And after it was quite a painstaking three month process. And lots of demos from their New Relic team. We, wanted, we didn't just want to reflect on the ability of the platform. We wanted to reflect on the ability of their support system, the ability of the people. Did we get on with them? Were they you know, pleasant people to deal with? I mean, yeah. I think that's a main factor in this industry. Uh, if you don't trust the people that you're dealing with, then you shouldn't be dealing with them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, it's quite interesting, Stephen, you mentioned the Gartner sort of magic quadrant um... I won't say any bad things about the Gartner Magic Quadrant, but there are obviously four quadrants and, you know, there's stuff that is emerging and, you know, could be really exciting and really interesting because it fits a particular niche or a particular yep. need. And there's the stuff that, you know, ticks a lot of the boxes in the enterprise because it's, you know, well-supported, got you know, whatever whatever the, the things that make it into the top right. Um, and i think it's a this is an interesting thing to just to delve into very briefly in that do you see that there are some things that some of the emerging tools are doing that you know you think oh, oh that's really clever we could you know really be take advantage of some of this stuff even though they didn't fit at the initial you know rfp we we do try and keep on
1: top of the new technology we do try and it, we invite for example, when we've recently renewed New Relic, we did pox of other mm. competition, shall we say. Yes, yeah. And yes, they've got some interesting ideas, but in- invariably Relic have caught up with it very quickly.
0: Mm.
1: I'm not saying they've, they've copied because, let's face it, a lot of the observability platforms have very similar sorts of interfaces, etc. Yeah. But they've, they've latched onto a need. And if we put a feature request in, for example... They mm. take it seriously, and invariably, they've answered it very well.
0: Do you have any examples of that? Any, any of the sort of things that you've thought? Well, we, we recently, strangely, need... <laughs> that's, that's really putting me on the spot. Oh, I've through some documentation. Oh, that, I'm that, sorry. That's all right. That's all right. You know, uh, but it's a, but it's an interesting one because I, I guess if something is really useful, and um, you know, the other companies are going to see, oh, that is actually something I, we, I, we should I be doing. I've got
1: one example actually. Oh. We obviously with SaaS ingestion is you're paying for your ingestion yes yeah and during our first three years our ingestion was higher than we probably like but because at the time we had a relatively nice all-you-can-eat contract with them Mm. uh, we didn't see it as a problem but when we renewed year four the ingestion was I wouldn't say horrendous but it could have been a problem a year on yes and they helped they helped us with several utilities that would actually map where we could improve our ingestion
0: oh, okay. And we,
1: and we got believe it or not and this is a real figure we mm. got our ingestion down 60 percent now this is really unusual because ingestion is it's their bread and butter that's mm. how they make the money mm. and yet they helped us lower it i don't think every company would do that
0: mm. oh, that's really good um just moving on a bit um I've got down in my notes uh, that one of the things that you'd like to talk about, ho- hopefully you'd like to talk about, is the impact listening tool. Just just, so, you know, maybe as, as an open-ended question, but what is the impact listening tool?
1: So the impact listener was something that we've, we've written in-house using a facility within your relic called the Nerdlet. Mm. And it's what it's allowed us did to do. Is did,
0: did I hear that? Did I Sorry, did I hear that right? The nerdlet.
1: The nerdlet. Yes, I think <laughs> it's one of the, the words. It's not one I'd use, but it's uh, the new relic <laughs> nerdlet. Okay. <laughs> and I think you, yeah, you have to be a bit of a nerd to start writing in some of this stuff. That's. I mean, we're in IT, aren't we? All nerds.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, so, using this system it allowed us to integrate with another product, our notification system, and hook into directly its API. Mm. And the impact listener lets us prioritize what needs fixing first, because it shows where most of the revenue is being lost. Mm. And we can actually see it going up in real time. So there's an urgency to fix the one that's costing us the most money as you can imagine (laughs) yes and it works really well it's Mm. all automated and we can map it onto business, any extra business services Mm. that's requested it and it it just gives us that real-time context to prioritize
0: issues yeah um i mean in terms of observability does um is there much going on with artificial intelligence
1: we're we're sort of dipping our toe into that at the moment with Mm. the ai It became a facility available to us with Relic from September Mm. and as I said, we're we're trying to stop some of our alerts coming in using the AI. There's always a reluctance to trust AI because they might miss something because during the learning process, etc. Yes. But we're getting more and more confident with it and it's it's starting to save a lot of the alert madness that goes on.
0: Mm. I mean, I can imagine that, you know, with the impact listening tool and sort of knowing if, if there's multiple, um, yeah. you know, revenue streams that have been affected by multiple failures, minor failures, not necessarily major things going on, slowdowns in certain services. Uh, and one needs to figure out, well, which one should I do first? Which one can be handled? Which one can be automated almost, you know, and, and having yeah. having sort of an AI, not necessarily taking away the job, but actually just helping you monitor the, the multiple you know, all the dashboards that are going on, the, all, all the red lights that are going on at the same time.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think what also helps is, and we've not mentioned this yet, is that we federate our monitoring out to, and I say monitoring, I mean observability, of course, to the actual teams. Mm. So we have three main specialised channels, and that's gaming mm. and trading and sports, yes. as you can imagine. And... As an observability team, I'm quite happy to accept we don't know everything about these applications. There's over three thousand individual applications that go through those three channels. Amazing. We yeah. don't know hardly anything about mm. them. The programmers know everything about them. Yes. They know what they want to monitor. So, part of the remit for Relic was to train four hundred of our staff, mm. and it was it was a it's a big ask as you can imagine. But that's allowed us to to actually get the guys who are actually at the cutting edge of it to know how to monitor their own products. Yes. And then they use us for advice, for best, you know, for best practice, et cetera. And that saves our team a lot of work, if you can imagine. And it allows them to build their own dashboards and create their own perfect monitoring scenarios. And Mm. they can do it individually as well. They can do it on a per-user basis
0: yeah i mean i guess they know the code that they've written and yes. where they feel that you know extra monitoring might be needed i mean it's a sense of that's the uh i'm, I'm swiping left on the screen that's the shift left isn't it it's yep. the idea of a shift left
1: and again in the in the old monolithic platforms that just wasn't possible
0: because you couldn't create that number of dashboards
1: we mm. have thousands of individual dashboards
0: mm. so have the uh did you say the four 400 uh yeah, About over 400 a, users, over 400, yeah. 400 and obviously users. that's
1: ongoing. They offer us, and, and none of that is a cost. They don't
0: charge us for that. Mm, mm, I don't know whether they want that publicised. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, <that's laughs> sure. but that's a big change management. There's a lot of people, a lot of developers involved in now yes. that monitoring process or being part of the monitoring yes, process.
1: Right. Um, we, we have uh, special, well, we call them the SMEs in, in the various channels to actually, they obviously... Talk to us, and we negotiate with Relic to actually get the dates that they're they're willing to be trained on, so they mm. can do it on an individual sort of team basis or a whole, as we did at the start, a whole William Hill basis.
0: Mm. So I'm just going to, to stop you there, Stephen uh, SME. Uh, Subject matter expert. (laughs) I would have got it totally wrong. I I, I would have said system monitoring expert, but subject matter expert, why not? (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, what we didn't talk about and would be useful too, and I think you've touched on it a few times, is the bigger picture, the digital transformation. Uh, Broadly speaking, what is William Hill's digital transformation?
1: We moved our entire architecture from real machines mm. to virtual machines and into the cloud within two years. Gosh, that is, that's fast. It was fast. Some some of it a little too quick, if I'm, if I'm being honest, and mm. some of it, it would probably have been done slightly different because some of it was just a block like-for-like like move mm. and it's not entirely cost effective. But there was certainly an urgency to get away from real machines yes. which, were costi- which were costing which were costing a hell of a lot of money in terms of people to look after them and in terms of server server room space
0: mm. i mean those ones that were for want of better you know were they they, they were kind of put in there rush rushed through that's not a good way of saying it but they were put there without the thought of how you what you would do later on yeah. are you actively revisiting those do you have yes, a plan that's to be revisit- being
1: done it's actually been done in the past and is being done now where we're containerizing much of it. Mm. And that's again where you need a lights of a product like Relic that allows that. It allows you to, to look after things like Kubernetes, uh, to look after the pods mm. and give you that, that management. But they have a product called Pixie that allows us to manage Kubernetes quite, nat- quite natively. Okay. It, it works really well mm. uh, the team the team's absolutely love it it saved them a hell of a lot of work
0: i mean does it also does it also help you this is speaking about a new relic does it also help you to understand where an application that was migrated to the cloud should be revisited uh, maybe modernized a bit more maybe made more cloud native because well, it's not so running where, efficiently
1: yeah that's where the the real user monitoring comes in where they're constantly trying to up the speed mm. of, of applications. As, as I said earlier, speed is key. Yes. Uh, users expect instant response, even a half-second delay, mm. and they'll just say, I'm not using that tech anymore, I'll go somewhere else that's quicker. And there are people that are quicker if, yeah. you, if, you, if you're just not up to speed. Yes. Uh, so, yes, there's a constant drive to improve, and the synthetic and real user monitoring helps that.
0: Oh right, that's and, not- and
1: obviously the tracing does as well, where it tells us of any delays.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah, I mean um, that's a good word, synthetic, actually, because I, I was going to, uh, well, I wasn't going to, but now you've 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 kind of prompted me, and um, and I think there's this debate going on across the industry about you know when you test and how much real customer data you use and how much data is synthetic. And there, I mean again, this touches on sort of the AI stuff where you can have AI generated data. Uh, which, you know, it's one of the use cases of AI, providing as close to real user data as possible. Um, is there much use of synthetic data in your testing?
1: We try and use as much real data as possible. Mm. But obviously, if we, if we want to really do a load test, then the synthetic is probably the only easier easiest way to go.
0: Mm. But I guess there are opportunities to develop clever and clever synthetic data so that it feels like real users going yes. forward yeah
1: and and that will improve as, as and when we get more on top of it as well
0: mm. i mean one can imagine you could run the grand national day with synthetic data and, and strangely virtually
1: one did because that the grand national that was cancelled during
0: covid that was run on as a
1: virtual on itv that yeah. was a good exercise we use that as an exercise because we weren't as stretched obviously as normal
0: yeah yeah did, um, what were the kind of takeaways from
1: that? Uh, the biggest takeaway was we have a system now that works. <laughs> <laughs> that used to just fall down. We used to, there's, there's two big parts of of the Grand National.
0: Mm.
1: There's just before the race starts, when everybody's frantically putting bets on as you'd, as you'd, as you'd expect, mm. what people don't think about is what happens after the race when everybody comes to collect the money. Yeah. And we have to pay out as quickly as possible because there's a lot of winners on the Grand National, as you can imagine. Yes, there's Mm. losers, but there's a lot of winners. Yes. And most of those winners don't even know how much they've won Mm. because it could be an each-way bet and their horse comes fourth or sometimes we have an offer and it's even fifth. Yeah. So they're all coming on, even if they think they've lost, just to see if they have won. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And usually there's a premiership game on after and a lot of people want to use that money to bet on a premiership game as well yeah so if the systems are down and usually we can't help but usually there's a delay of 10-15 minutes because of by the sheer number of people mm. luckily everybody else has the same issues <laughs> but when systems are down that affects us so it's, it's in our interest to get these systems up as seriously quickly as possible mm-hmm. now in the past our monitoring systems died yeah Relic hasn't. And they've supplied their own support system, especially for days like that. Oh, and okay. the fact that we've never had to call them is a testament to it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, Stephen, you've been using New Relic for how long?
1: About uh, four years now.
0: OK. And um, what, what have you noticed in terms of how quickly you can get things fixed?
1: OK, well, we mentioned earlier time to detection, which mm. obviously, when you've got an unreliable system, can be a problem. It can be a bit of a hurdle. Mm. So straight away, our mean time to detection improved and the number of issues that we were, were having were detected quicker. In fact, we found issues we didn't even know we had, okay. which is always good. But the mean time to resolve, which is the selling points of, of, of most of these systems, mm. we used to reckon it was around about 60% of P1s were solved within an hour.
0: And um, what does P1 mean, sorry?
1: A P1 is a, a priority one, and that's when multiple people or multiple systems are affected.
0: Okay. In
1: other words, a big outage. Mm. And we know for a fact that that's improved now to over 80%. 80% of our priority ones are resolved within one hour. That's amazing. And it's it is actually still rising.
0: Yeah and did the people at the top of the company say well can we get this any quicker well
1: (laughs) nothing's ever good enough is it but but yeah we're we're striving to get it quicker
0: yeah (laughs) excellent well Stephen thank you ever so much for taking part in the podcast today and thank you very much for listening goodbye